welcome back to Try Not to Die. I'm your dreadful mother, Noah Perito, <laughs> and I'm here with our lone hero. Lisa Condemi, a.k.a. Gorgonzola. Holy cow, tell me how did my parents come to this weird custody arrangement? The judge said 18 years with your dad and then you get to visit your mom's weird plane once. Oh, wow. The legal battles that are going to be you know, going on after this are going to be insane. What did those docs look like? What, will, what precedent was set by this arrangement? I want to meet the judge. Uh, Rella versus uh, Johnny. <laughs> All right, gang. Well, come to mama. It's time for the recap. Last time, our hero Gorgonzola Parma continued her trek north to find her mother, encountering erratic weather patterns that continued to slow their travel. Blizzards, cold snaps, hailstorms, our weary adventurer could not catch a break. Though she was able to survive the extreme weather, it nearly cost her the lives of Stilton and Kala, and essentially forced her to stay put for much longer periods of time than she expected. With only a few days left until Harvest Peak, the date when the First Might would begin to march on Haverholm, and when Zola was supposed to meet the Mage Tinderdick in the Stellar Stronghold. It's good our, to make plans. <laughs> it's good to make plans, and it's great that we lost track of time. Our half-orc hero was beginning to really feel the pressure. <laughs> I'm in, definitely in crunch <laughs> mode, I would say. Talk about final. <laughs> she still pushed on, shrugging off her exhaustion and despair while using her downtime to continue crafting a spell of her own making, something that would allow her to mentally communicate events while simultaneously conveying context and evoking emotional connection. Wow, I wish I had that for these recaps, am I right? <laughs> it was hard work, but by the end of it, Zola knew that she was just one eureka moment away from cementing this spell. Hoping it would come before, or perhaps during, an encounter with her mother, Zola hit the road once more, enduring a strange magical trap before eventually finding herself before a frozen pond. Densely covered in fog, it was difficult to see the other side. All that could be gathered was going around it would take some time, and if they did cross over it, they would pass by a small, mysterious-looking island in its center. Wanting to test out the conjuration shard... <laughs> Zola attempted to teleport to the island, essentially one dimension door's distance from the pond's edge, getting close enough to be able to walk the remaining 30 feet or so on the ice. Doubting the safety of that path, Zola instead <laughs> tried I to teleport have again. trust issues. <laughs> this time sending her and Kala 500 feet straight up in the air. And that's why I have trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> I do not help those issues. I am actively building them up and breaking them down every so fucking episode. by our friendship. DMs really are the most, abuse, <laughs> most abusive friendship you could possibly have. <laughs> The increasing use of the shard triggered more mishaps, leading to our hero chain teleporting herself back to the shore, undoing all the work that she had done. This series of loud, <laughs> series of very loud failures drew the attention of the adult Ramoraz that had been chasing after Zola ever since she had slain its child. You're smiling a little too much. <laughs> it's a classic you, tale of revenge. Can you tone it down? It was a very somber podcast we're making. <laughs> we are absolutely in one of the more emotional moments of this podcast. And this episode prior was so full of ridiculousness <laughs> that I had to take deep breaths while right. editing it. Keep it to the afterlife. Keep it to the afterlife, baby. <laughs> Whew. The party took to the ice, attempting to flee this creature as the recently frozen pond began to crack beneath them. Though Zola ended up swallowed and dragged beneath the ice, she was able to get the conjuration shard working one last time in order to teleport her back to the surface. Finally on the island and at least out of danger for the moment, Zola found that a strange magical effect was occurring, a sort of 
obscuration of the island itself. Making her way through, she dispelled more traps and found an archway formed from two trees. Very suspicious. After testing to see if it too was trapped, our hero passed through the archway to find herself walking into a meadow nearly identical to those near her home back in Paddlewick. Moving further, she discovered a ranch exactly like her family's, and a cow that seemed keen on trying to stop her from going forward. Though initially falling for the effect, Zola managed to shake it off with a counterspell, approaching the ranch as the cow ran around mooing warnings to anyone nearby. Entering through the basement pantry, Zola attempted to sneak upstairs to find her father, only for the door to be opened, revealing her mother, Mozzarella, as she burst through to tackle who she believed was an intruder down the stairs. <laughs> Physically far stronger, Zola managed to roll her over and pin her, and that's where we are right now. The two of you lie on the dirty ground of this basement, you pinning your mother having thwarted her attempt to grapple you, the sounds of the brief scuffle ending, returning the room to still silence. Looking at her now, she really does look so much like you. Or perhaps it should be said that you look like her. Thick red hair styled in multiple braids as described before, bright wild eyes, the eyes of someone who was prepared for a fight, with teal greenish skin, dressed like a peasant with comfortable breathable clothes, a dirt stained white apron over them all. She has many scars, most long healed, along with a number of orcish tattoos and a strange burn around her neck that almost looks like the imprint of a chain. You see that she has a hand in a component pouch in said apron as if she were ready to cast, but now she's frozen locked on you, mystified. Are you real? I get up off of her and stand up and dust my pants off. And I lower her hand down to help her. I'm... I'm real. Are you real? You watch as her expression remains wild and confused as a wave of lethargy hits her. The haste spell that she had cast to try and get a little bit of advantage on you fading off. She shakes her head. Are you well? I, uh, she reaches out and takes your hand. I hoist her up. It's a rough, the hand of someone who is long on their own, having to do many, many of the basic tasks to survive by themselves. Um, you pull her to her feet and the two of you stand looking at each other. You're about the same height, her just a bit taller than you. She is like eyeing you, wiping the sweat from her brow as she tries to understand what or who she is seeing before her. Mamma mia, I'm getting rusty. How in the nine hells are you here? And also, great pin, you're so strong. She like gets closer to you and starts like looking you over. Are you sure you're real? Pokes you once on the nose. Oh, y yeah, I'm, I'm real. Are you are you mozzarella? See? Are you... And she goes silent, looking at you. I nod. I heard Roquefort's mooing. I, I thought you were one of Ardrahan's. Mm, no. Definitely not that. Should we... She wraps her arms around you and pulls you in for the deepest, hardest hug you could have ever felt in your entire life. The kind of hug only a mother can give. Oh my god, you smell terrible. Do you not bathe? She pulls you back, and your eye. Whoa. Ooh, um, 
Come, let's uh, let's head upstairs. Uh, you must be starving. You look real thin. Uh, come, come. She hurries and like practically scampers back up the stairs away from you. Should we make tea? Come up here, up here. I look around at the freaky identical cellar again and then follow her upstairs. You head back up the stairs and into the main floor of your home. It is just as you remember. Old, rickety hardwood floors, ceilings just high enough for you to stand in. Some of them, you get a little too close and you bump your head on them. And you actually see your mother generally is kind of crouching in her own space, which is a bit funny considering she clearly designed this place to an extent. This is a quaint wooden farmhouse with clay accents, the kitchen to your right with dried garlic hanging in chains, herbs drying near a window, cured foods hanging from the ceiling, kitschy little decorations. This is undeniably Ramsteet Farm. A crackling hearth warms the space and cooks a cast iron cauldron of sauce. Your family bookshelf stocked with old tomes, a copy of Ambledore's Almanac peeking out. Some things are missing, like furniture, trinkets, and tools brought in during your life. But this is definitely the house you grew up in. Before you grew up in it. Your mother quickly moves through the space, cleaning and gathering various foods that she's keeping everywhere, kind of haphazardly creating a charcuterie board for you, along with some like very dry, stale bread. And she shoves it before you, uh, and then runs over and pops a bottle of what looks to be very, very, very old wine, and begins to pour it into these like very makeshift clay cups. I'm sorry it is so little. The elves do not trade with me often, and I try not to hunt too far from the pond. Uh, take a seat by the fire. It's actually... its it, You must be freezing. Are you real? Is this real? I've been... I plucked Ambledorf's Albanac off the shelf and just kind of briefly thumbed through it to see if I see any of, like, my underlinings or pencil markings that I made through the years. It lacks all of them, only containing anything that you would have found the first time you picked it up. Maybe a few notes from your father, kind of underlining weather patterns and various things for growing. Um, this is weird. What are you doing here? Uh, I, I don't even know where to start. W what are you doing here? Uh, this is amazing. How? Are you real? I'm... What is happening? I'm... I'm real. I've been looking for you. For a month. I guess... That's actually not that long, but I didn't really have the agency to look for you until a month ago. But it's felt long. How long have you been here? Well, uh... How old are you? 18 years. 18 years. Right? How long has it been? 18 years. Yeah. She nods. Yeah, 18 years. So, eight, it's felt like 18 years here, too? Oh, it's felt... <sighs> why don't... Why don't you sit down? She sits just right on the floor before you, kind of... She's got this wild obviously clearly overwhelmed look in her eye still probably feeling some of that lethargy from the hay spell that wore off a bit ago oh, um speak. make us tea the wine is fine she takes she takes <laughs> the bottle and takes a big sip from it oh my i go into my dad's kitchen and start 
filling up the kettle from the cabinet with water from the sink and getting like the little jar of tea and a little jar of honey. All of the appliances, so to speak, are where you would expect them. You do have to search for a little few things. And you kind of, as you're searching, gather that perhaps your father was the one who had all the organizational skills. Your mother is just out of necessity. She's clearly just shoving things places and just trying to make it look like the home that she left. Are you alone here besides Roquefort? See, just me and Roquefort. And she points out the window and you see the cow lifts its head and goes, Is that? Holds eye contact with you for a very long time. Hi. Is that your familiar? See. Wow, he's so big. Ah, you know, when you learn the spell and you practice it enough, you can kind of mess with it a little bit. I. I have one, too. I wish you could meet him, but he's hes standing watch outside. Stilton. We both picked cheeses. <laughs> of course we did. Um, here. I set down a tea next to her wine glass. <laughs> sure. I mean, you're in shock. Glasses. You should drink something warm. She takes a sip of it, and then a sip of wine, and then a sip of tea again. Um... Can I ask you some questions, or is it too soon? You can ask me anything. Um, what happened 18 years ago? Why did you... Well, I know why you left, but... I guess, um, number one would be, um, you know, why... Um, why you left me. She pauses for a long moment, hearing your words. The only sounds, the buzzing of insects and the few tweeting birds in the distance, the occasional moo and cowbell from Roquefort. Then she takes a big sip of her bottle, takes a bigger sip of her tea, stands and walks over to the bedroom where your father's room would be uh, and goes over to his desk where you see a number of components the kind of bare minimum the things one could maybe find or barter for if they had a little contact with some of the outside world i eye her <laughs> maybe i'm a real diamond <laughs> <laughs> you look over there no real diamonds uh. <laughs> or at least nothing of that high quality mm-hmm. she seems to be like cobbling together various components you see that she I mean, clearly has some sort of valuables because she was able to cast things like Glyph of Warding and the mm-hmm. Symbol Spell, both of which are pretty costly in terms of components. But you guess that maybe she doesn't have a lot. Maybe that's kind of a few use One kind time, of thing. Yeah. yeah. So as she begins to shift through, I, I only left to protect you. I, I didn't know how it would turn out or the fact that it turned out the way it did. I, I thought I, I, thought I, I, I could be there when the time came to help you but uh, and she continues to rummage through the components until she finds a fleece that she begins to weave amongst her fingers almost like a cat's cradle um, muttering an incantation that in a similar way to your time in the hidden library produces images to swirl around all of you just filling the space with kind of this misty smoke that begins to form into the story of why your mother left. You see a young orcish teen, almost identical to you, though perhaps a bit taller and with less bulk, 
She wears a bit of a pout on her face, nose wrinkled in frustration as you watch this large, regally dressed orcish man covered in scars with a long braided beard speaking to her from his ornate throne made of dark stone and emerald. When I was young, my father told me that leading the first might was a delicate balance. Tradition and progression, putting the needs of our people before the needs of any individual, even oneself. He said, when your mother passed, she made me promise to make you strong, to raise you to save our people from those who would wish to send us back to our violent past. You know, that kind of thing. He told me I could not fall or falter that I would grow to be the savior of our people. He told me to honor our traditions while standing up to those who would misconstrue them. Despite his confidence in me, I wasn't the easiest child. I was stubborn, quick to anger, frustrated by the traditions he pushed me to adhere and confused by those he strayed from. But I was his only true-born heir. He knew I would succeed him as chief and be the next caretaker of the child of Alethea, the next Tregorede. I learned that traditions, political intricacies, trained in battle and the ways of the Arcane at the Arcanum for Magi under Archmage Limburger, and when I was 18, I became the Stregorede, and I remained that way until you were born, and our nation fell. The images shift as she speaks. You see her studying in what can only be described as this gorgeous university, a strange Italian Gothic in aesthetic style, full of orcish mages there to help her and train her. You see her taking private lessons with this large, slightly hunched over orc in fine black and green clothes, skin intact, but the same green eyes he has today. It shifts again to a ceremony where you watch as Mozzarella duels her father, defeating him in combat to earn the tusk, to earn her role as Stregorede. He had held the role as a placeholder, the result of my mother passing before I could properly take over, and so our taglio was more of a formality than a challenge, centered exclusively over the Stregorede role. This was when tough times truly began. People were growing restless, Limburger was stoking tensions, siding with Arjahan about how the first might should be acting, on how the other lineages of the world saw us, insisting we needed to be making preparations, noting the skirmishes that were popping up between the various nations of the Mari and Mara, not long after my contoro was the celebration for Harvest Peak, a royal ball in which all the leaders of the first might would come and pay tribute and celebrate the success of our powerful alliance. And that was... The day it happened. What? I was on guard duty. I had to stay with the child to protect it while so many people were in our home. You see the images of other royals leaving to go to this ball in another portion of this large orcus fortress you imagine once stood where Paddlewick was. Like if Groomsh's twisted fortress were made more like Gondor, beautiful, well-constructed, a pinnacle of prosperity. Your mother is left behind in her mithril chainmail, which you now wear, the tusk at the ready, guarding a golden door emblazoned with orcish glyphs and a dragon, wings outstretched, flames spewing from its mouth in the center. When it seems like no one is around, you see this younger version of your mother let out a sigh of relief as her posture becomes a bit more relaxed. She putzes around a bit before looking at the door longingly, eventually deciding to unlock it using a series of complex disenchantments. 
After a few moments, there is a hissing noise, and the door begins to slide open to reveal a large, egg-shaped chamber, where a four-poster bed sits in the middle, whomever or whatever obscured by thick curtains to allow for them to sleep. She steps in, marveling at this nursery-like room before you suddenly see a number of black crossbow bolts zip in from behind her. Your mother reacts quickly, throwing up an arcane shield, but one bypasses it, striking into her thigh. She looks down in shock and you see her body begins to lock up. She uses the last few milliseconds of movement she has to look around the room, quickly trying to figure out what is happening as you watch a number of cloaked figures come out of invisibility, rushing by her. Most of their faces are covered, but you watch as one, their leader, steps up to her as the others continue past, the disguise flickering and changing into a handsome, bald man with bright blue eyes, bearing a silver lion pin on his cloak, the symbol of Leoniel. Locked into place, this figure looks over your mother's shoulder, calling out in what sounds like undercommon before turning to her, a wicked smile on their face. The appearance shifts again to dissolve away in a familiar manner, transforming him into her, nodding to two other bandits to grab your mother and drag her away, throwing her into a nearby closet as this impersonator takes her place, covering for the invaders while they take what they seek. In the real world, your mother grimaces. At the time, I thought Limburger was right. The wicked agents of Leoniel swarmed me, taking the child of Aletheia and fleeing into the sewers before I could recover. It seemed obvious that they sought to undermine us, their longest standing rivals. By the time I was able to alert the other guards of what truly happened, the thieves escaped. Because of my weakness, our nation was thrown into war. A war that our people were split on. A war designed to exploit our tensions and impulses. As Tregorede, I was charged with recovering the child from Leoniel. So, once negotiations failed, I marched with our armies east into Tamamelo to make way for their capital, while our navy met them on the waves of the Mare Emara. I tried to burn a path to their palace to show them that they could not disrespect our people without punishment. But they routed us at every turn. Those Tronzo knew where we'd be, what we planned, and would show up with enough soldiers to choke a titan. It all felt so futile. Years of fighting, with nothing to show for it. The child... gone. You think of the Omni Malum and their underground channels, their ability to influence and inform, an easy way to sabotage or spy on enemies. As you think of this, you find yourself once again in the sight of one of your dreams. A war-torn battlefield where your mother faces off against a horde of golden soldiers led by the orange-tanned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed face of Autark Aurelius. He screams, CHARGE! as his people cut through orc after orc, your mother looking away from the images as her eyes meet yours again, softening from the wild anger that she seems to be holding within her. And that's when I met your father. The images cut to your mother running through the wilderworm wood of your homeland, scorched and limping, a massive gash in her left side as the roars of a victorious human army give chase. She trips over a root and tumbles down a hill, crashing into the ground, sending the tusk flying out of her hands. In moments, Autark and his golden armored centurions arrive, surrounding her, your mother attempting to get to her feet as they begin to taunt and prod her with their weapons. I was pinned down by General Aurelius and his men. My magic depleted, cut off from my scatter forces and near death when he arrived. The sounds of mooing 
start to fill the room. And you see suddenly as a herd of cattle charges out of the wood, a handsome young man with dark hair and a matching mustache, your father riding atop the largest bovine you've ever seen. They run through the Centurion forces, nearly crushing Autark himself as your father uses a shepherd's crook to crack any standing warriors over the head. He reaches out. I take my hand. And though doubtful, she does, allowing him to pull your mother atop this cow as they circle around, heading back through the woods before the armored goons can recover. He easily defeated those who hunted me and brought me back to his home. This home. She looks around the ranch. This mirror of your childhood home as the images shift once more, essentially allowing for the surroundings you're in to act as the backdrop, as a younger version of your parents stumble in, your shorter father helping this Amazonian orcish woman into this very small bed to rest while he prepares medical supplies and then a small charcuterie plate for her. <laughs> I was out for some time while your father nursed me back to health, kept me company while I healed, hid me when soldiers came. He was funny, kind, charming, an incredible artisan and cook. I realized I loved him dearly. I wanted nothing more than to spend my entire life with him. And as if life knew that, I was blessed with you. The visions change again, thankfully omitting any illicit scenes between your parents, before returning to the orcish great hall where Chief Gouda sits upon his throne. She goes to him, wearing a robe to hide her pregnancy, clearly nervous to explain the situation to the stoic leader of the First Might's forces. A few months after we met, when I was strong enough, I briefly left him and returned to Formaggi to inform my father of what had happened. But when I arrived, I found the First Might was in complete disarray. Our forces were spread thin, our resources depleted, our leadership divided on the best course of action with Arjahan and my father practically at each other's throats, and with the rise of Aurelius to the station of Emperor, it seemed our enemies were united, eager to take down the strongest military force of the land. It was clear that conquest was inevitable to me, but the survival of our culture, of our people, was not impossible. Realizing this, I tried to first convince uh, your grandfather to surrender, and then when that was rebuked, obviously, <laughs> to flee. To take our people north to regroup, perhaps work with the elves. But he, like me, and probably like you, was stubborn. He would not so easily give up the land of our people, even when I begged. He would not budge. He would not be craven. He would rather die a martyr, a symbol of our people and our homeland. He would not make his last act as chief, abandoning the land we've called our own since the maldiction. He told me our people would need a leader to guide them and knew that this sacrifice would make me chief on top of the Sturigorede, so long as I kept my oaths. By remaining loyal to his pledge to die with the city, his death would be honored and my rule authenticated in the eyes of Arjahan. So, I chose to not tell him about you. A half-orc heir at the cusp of our defeat by humankind might not have sat well with the conservatives, and I couldn't bear to think of the hardships our people would face on our trek north. I couldn't think of a way to reconcile life with your father and life with my people. 
I returned to your father to tell him the news, unsure of what to do, and he promised me to support me however he could. A promise that would be fulfilled sooner rather than later. The scenes fade as the backdrop of this very ranch once again emerges. You hear the cries of a baby from inside your father's bedroom and turn to see a young version of himself holding an adorable, albeit slimy, greenish teal half-orc baby with just the tiniest amount of red hair. He shows Mozzarella who, relieved, takes you from him, cradling you close as he puts his short arms around you both as far as he can, squeezing you both tight. You were born just days before the fall of Romaji. It was as if my body knew that time was running out. It was becoming clear that between the enemies outside and inside our forces, the best plan would be to leave you with your father. At least for a time. At least until you are strong enough to come and join our people. <sighs> I left you with the tools to take your destiny if you so chose to rise up and reclaim what you were losing. Tradition dictated that if the tusk was given up by a Stregrede, they sacrificed any titles they held. But I knew that giving up those things would protect you. It would give you what you needed to jumpstart your destiny, even if it meant disobeying my father and the traditions of our people just once. I decided to lie. The scene shifts a final time to show the burning city of Fermaggi. A mass of orcs, goblinoids, gnolls, and giants fleeing the city as golden soldiers sack and pillage. The castle crumbles as cannons tear through its supports, but your mother doesn't look that way. She looks northwest, towards Milkwick and Ramsteep Farm, just an hour or so away from the capital. She carries a scabbard on her back, another blade disguised as the tusk sheathed within it. The day Formaggi fell and your grandfather was killed by Altoc Aurelius, I left you with your father. He didn't want me to leave, but he understood I had a duty to serve and save my people. Our people. He understood what I sought to do, knowing that they would have only listened if I held both titles of chief and stregrede, and that if they didn't listen, it would lead to their destruction. Our land would be lost, but a seed to its rediscovery would be planted in you. Someday, perhaps, you could return and lead the first might, not with hatred and violence like Ardrahan would wish, but with peace and kindness. The kind of things I knew your father would teach you. The kind of things you would have never learned if you had taken the path with me. The images depict the long march north with the remaining war machines and mobile structures the first might had maintained, heading through the woods and up the Ouroboros, fighting off kobolds and dragonborn as they eventually make it to the other side, the chilling north they would now call home. I was able to keep them united until we made it past the Chromatica, but once we settled, the truth came out. Despite all I had done, despite all her family had done, tradition dictated that I was a traitor. Ardrahan convinced them that my actions were proof that our family did not have what it takes to guide our people, that abandoning the teachings of Grooms long ago was our downfall. He, like my old teacher, was proud of our orcish heritage and furious at our enemies, disgusted at their differences something all our people could relate to at the moment. 
I had given up the title and the tools of Stregorede. I had lied about my authority, even if it was for their protection. I invoked the right to exile to save my life, and since he couldn't kill me before at least performing those rites, he allowed me to be banished under some conditions. My belongings, aside from the clothes on my back, were taken. Those who opposed this decision, my supporters, were slaughtered, and I was cast out into the woods, bound by ancient magic and tradition to stay away from our kind. My willingness to submit my last attempt to prove that I had not turned my back on our culture. As she says this, you watch as the images depict your mother being brought into the newly built Chiesa Grumsh, pyre burning from the bodies of those loyal to her in the central pit. Broken, your mother is brought to her knees before Ardrahan and the remaining clerics and mages of the First Might before a crowd within and outside the structure that rivals the one that was present at your Kultura. Together, they spill blood upon arcane glyphs and perform a ritual. Your mother makes her promise, and spectral chains shoot out around her throat, binding her to her word, branding her around her neck to seal the promise. The ritual ends, but the burn remains. And as she rises, the caster step back so she can look directly at Ardrahan, who stands smugly before her, scythe at the ready. They lead her out into the streets and through the crowd before the news post, and you watch as she throws her book at its base and then hurls the blade that she had used to deceive them at the top, sticking it into the wood. She then turns and, just like you saw in the thoughts of those back in Affinage, walks through the gates and out into the woods, not looking back, though you're not sure if she was able to or wanted to. I left my spellbook and wandered north into some of the Shadowshine, the elvish forces. They would not take me in because of the potential political ramifications, but they would not oppose my settlement near the territory. Since then, Ardrahan has been sending his minions after me, hoping to keep tabs perhaps, or maybe even try and kill me since the decision to banish me was kind of a loose end, one that he probably wants to tie up. He claims to follow tradition, but only following the ones that give him power. Using the few spells I remembered, I made this hidden away for me to remember the life I could have had. It's no excuse, but I'm sorry. The images fade, and you're once again left in the quiet of this ranch house, the occasional cowbell ringing once again as Roquefort continues to graze. Yeah, that all makes sense. Sorry, that was a lot. It's been a while since I've had a long conversation with people. The elves typically do not like to meet with me. Those conditions, they... Did they say you couldn't find me or, or contact me? Or... Because there are... Because they have these things now called sending stones where you can say 25 words like, Hey, Gorgonzola... This is your mom. I can't be in your life, but I'm safe and alive. Was, was that part of the condition, or...? She touches her neck. I was not allowed to speak or find or join with any of our kind oh. unless they sought me out. Oh. Okay, well... That's not a good excuse, though. I, I'm not able to dispel it myself, so... 
sorry. I failed on so many levels. No. She turns away. In that case, I... All is forgiven. You should... She looks at you, tears in her eyes. You shouldn't forgive me. A mother should not abandon her child. There is no excuse. I did what I thought was right, but it wasn't. Ardrahan had the choice to do what was right, too. <laughs> he would have never chosen. How is he related to us? Family is not always good, Gorgonzola. Ardrahan was my half-brother, born before my father took the throne to an orcish woman who was, well, for lack of a better word, low-born. A bit older than me, his heritage meant he could not be in line for the role of chieftain or stegrede without challenge, so that left him nothing but the church. Wow. Just thinking in my head about how there are so many patterns through history. Sorry that was so long-winded. I wish I had some sort of, I don't know, spell or something to explain that faster. I, I could have cast haste on myself, but maybe you wouldn't have heard me. I know very few spells these days. My memory fails me. And my book, it kind of had all my work in it. Yes, I, I found your book. But I don't have it. Shit. I'm sorry. Fuck. I sorry. really no. tried. Language, oh my goodness. I'm oh my. 18, so. I... Um. Okay. Well, thank you for your honesty. And I'm sorry you had to make those choices. How how old were you when you had me? Um. You see, she goes again, starts counting on her fingers. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Ballpark. 25-ish? You flash to Captain Sticks, <laughs> thinking mm -hmm. of the kind of decisions she's had to make. Seems like a lot of people in this world have to grow up a lot faster than seems fair. I think you did your best, Mama. And I have a lot to tell you. And I don't want to jump out of order too much, but Alethea's child. She lives. You hear a crash as your mother drops both the glass that held wine and the cup that held tea in it, shattering them on the ground. Ah, sh shit. I'm sorry. Uh, gets down and you see her cast mending to fix the cups and then press digitation to clean the mess. I'm walking over to get paper towels <laughs> for the kitchen and then turn around. Oh, wow. I didn't think about how magic could be used for cleaning. It's Honestly, it's the only reason this place isn't even more messier than it is. Oh my gosh, can you teach that to me? Because when I go home, I'm never going to have to do chores again, basically. You see, she brightens up a smile, taking her face for the first time throughout this entire conversation. Of, of course, of, of course. In a second, though, because we have other things to talk about. The child. The child is alive? Yes. What I said about not getting out of order... Um, I've been kind of working on something, assuming that I would find you and that you would be alive. I thought that I might have to tell you a lot or catch you up on a lot. And so um, 
I've been working on the spell and actually, okay, I kind of procrastinated. I uh, pull out my backpack <laughs> and I start like throwing my books everywhere. Oh, like I... my homework crumpled up birds are like one winged, oh. like hopping away. <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> they just keep bumping into things. Oh my. About um, 20 cat toys for Stilton. Oh my goodness. Oh, crumpled uh, summer sausage. Your speaking stone gets tossed out. Is this that thing? That would have been very helpful. Right, wouldn't it have? That would have been... They have the, these widespread. Oh wait, hold on. I uh, pick it up real quick and do, 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 uh, dial Smite's number, and I go, "It's my friend Smite. Mom, say hi." Uh, hello! Screams so loudly. Oh my God! Oh, I, when it's late, I. What? Sorry, wait. What? Huh? Why are you doing an Italian accent? No, I'll explain later. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be more complicated than I really have time for right now. Is, that was my mom. There's a pause. Oh my god. Sola! Holy fuck! I gotta go. It's rude to text. It's rude to text in front That's of her. Amazing. Good luck. I love it. Sorry. That is wild. Is that a sending spell in there? Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just pay like a plan. She takes it and starts pressing buttons on it. You see it open and download a mobile game that costs you a bunch of gold. Oh. How does this work? <laughs> I felt that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Right. Back to this. Um, I pull out my divination workbook and flip it around to um, the back where I have been working on my spell. And I say, not to be like this right away, but could you maybe help me with some homework? I'm in college. Oh, I... You should be very proud of me. I'm actually extremely accomplished. Tears are welling in her eyes. Oh, my God. My Strike right a genius. and undergrad, baby. Oh, my God. Dual my major. Yes, I mean, you probably don't even need my help. <laughs> no, I definitely do. Okay, wait, because that thing that you're using before, what spell was that? Um, With the wool. That was um, major illusion. Oh, okay. Or ma major image. It, it basically, it's an illusion spell. Okay, here's the schematics. Um, and I lay it out before her, and I kind of show. So it's like a little bit of detect thoughts and like a little bit of charm person, but I don't want it to, to be like that. It's got to be more like it's based kind of more less in the head and more like down, down in your heart, you know? For the first time, she says your name. Gorgonzola Parma. This is... This is unbelievable. This is... This is arcane theory. None of this has ever been put into practice. People have written about combining schools for centuries, but it's, it's never been successfully done. Interesting, because I kind of think... It kind of feels like cheating. It feels like I'm breaking the code a little bit. You certainly are breaking something. She gets down and begins to look through the notes. Do you have... Uh, what have you worked out for the components? That's the thing, is... The component always has something to do with the spell, right? It's always like a... Symbolizes it, or is like a small version of it, but... Correct. Always channels the type of intent that you are right. putting out. But what... What physically is like... I want to tell you something. Well, uh, obviously, like a letter or... Oh, yeah, a letter maybe. Uh, but then it was like, why not just write a letter? Right. Something more meaningful. It's got to be, I think, like, 
Something that symbolizes trust. Give me an arcana check. And with your mother's help, you can roll with advantage. Fifteen. The two of you begin to look through these notes. You're right. It has to be something important. You know, it has to be something significant to really more than just convey information, but convey conviction, And something to tie the two people together, because it has to be something you have in common, right? Right. There needs to be a mental link. Right. And as you're searching through these notes, with the help of your mother kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. We're spitballing. We're spitballing ideas together. um, You begin to form the idea that it has to be something significant to the caster, something that would convey the depth of meaning that is required to truly understand the kind of story you're trying to tell through this spell. You're not sure if that's necessarily a specific item, but you begin to think that it's something that the caster can designate something that they have to believe has that significance. I think I've got just the thing. And I stand and unsheath the tusk in one swinging movement from my back, and then taking the blade and lowering the pommel to her, I offer it to her. Cautiously, even as if she feels like she's going to be hurt by it, and you see that like the burn around her neck almost seems to sizzle a little bit as she takes it in her hands with you. I will try to cast my spell. Okay. Your arcana check of 15 is higher than the DC of 14, which is set for this spell. So tell me how you cast Recap. I place my hands on the pommel next to her, bring her in tight so that her foreheads touch, like Stilton touches my forehead. Right away, even though our eyes are open looking at each other, it's like we're in that dark divination space. And then I grip the tusk tighter and we go hurtling through these memories. They start slowly and from the beginning. Not leaving my farm and meeting Scram, but the real beginning. The day that I first ask my father about her and he turns his head and says nothing. Then the day that I find her rusty sword and armor buried beneath loose soil in our cellar and it fits like a glove. The days I spend laying in the pastures, reading my almanac beneath a big sky and wondering if she ever saw golden wheat and thought of me. Days where no one looks at me with a smile And I think about what it would be like to just take her sword and go. And then the day I finally do. And from there, the memories grow faster and faster, flipping through her mind like she's thumbing through a picture book of the last month of my life. Paddlewick on fire, a glimmering shard, a bag flying into space, a dark crystal ball, a glittering crown and a glittering sea, a speckled umbrella and a hand on my crock, lips on my cheek and then a dagger at my throat, the searing electric heat of smites, the cracking of magical roots and vines beneath my feet, an axe reversing and flying out of a window frame, a massive mini-stalked eye, a golden-eyed girl in a cottage drinking tea, and a mage's caring voice through my sending stone. The burning of fire and failure, and a red stinging eye. The cold quiet of a marble cathedral, a sickly green gem, a book frozen in the air. 
shackles around my wrists and her shadow in a memory within a memory. The feeling of falling as the first Stregorati's voice rings in my ears, fireworks exploding in the sky, bright red splattering the snow, and her name carved deep in wood, her spellbook and a map in my hands, and we come back into the cottage. So you can see it's kind of a long story. Memory pouring through her mind like a river crashing down a mountainside, carving new mental pathways. You see anger, anxiety, despair, hope, friendship, joy, loneliness, loss, love, passion, tears begin to stream from her eyes. And you realize that you're crying too, this powerful, powerful dip into your memories, drawing up every emotion that you guys could possibly feel from such a exhausting and yet only month-long adventure. She wipes the tears, kind of holding back a laugh, a sob, and a scream all at once. You, I am so proud of you, Gorgonzola. I am so proud of you. Thanks. And I am even more sorry that I left you. I hug her hard. She hugs you too. And for a moment, the two of you just hold each other. You feel her tears soaking the hair on your head as she continues to cry. Did you see that I had a really cute braid like yours? It was beautiful. An Who acra, taught you to braid An acra cut it off. That fucking bastard parted my language. Oh, I just get so emotional. Ooh. So. Oh my goodness, you are a very, very brilliant caster. You are brilliant. No. You, I couldn't get it until now. I've been working on it for like almost a week. This was your eureka moment, not mine. Well, thanks for saying that. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess there's kind of a lot to catch up on. See, si. well, I mean, where do we even start? Should we go outside and enjoy this charcuterie board? See, si. let's. And can I dispel that thing on your neck? Is Arjahan going to get a ping? Um, she touches the chain. I don't know. I'm, I'm not able to. It has f- forbidden me from doing so, but, you know, fuck it. Go ahead and try. I, um, dramatically lift the tusk up till it, like, points right on the center of, like, her voice box. Are you like sure a- you're not working for Ardrahan? <laughs> I did see all those memories, but did you omit something where you suddenly vowed to kill me? Because this is a lot like killing me. I actually just realized that I had to, I think, use it on one of your cliffs outside, so... But ah. I'll do it, I'll do it tomorrow. So you've... you've I unlo- lowered the task. <laughs> Thank you. You've unlocked its power. How, how much can you do with it? How much have you unlocked? I mean... It's got some features I don't use, mm, but mainly... That, that furious shit is fucking awful. Yeah. Really, only a desperate... You... Sort of saw what I she nods still proud of me accidents happen your friend said it best you can only atone through action and so far you've been 
definitely trying to do that. I will always love you. That's what the mothers do. Thanks, mom. <laughs> already getting that. Even, <laughs> even if you murder someone. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. If you go to jail, you just have to call. Okay, well, let's take this outside. The two of you gather the, you know, foodstuffs that you've gathered. Uh, <laughs> These pickles look really old, Ma. They are still good. They're so soft. Uh, <laughs> you head outside into the strange kind of faux night that has been created here. You see Roquefort wander over and your mother pets him on his little head. Roquefort, this is my daughter. You see Roquefort looks to you. Hi, Roquefort. I'm a friend of cows. Comes over and does a little cat-like headbutt to you. I originally had him as a cat, and now he's mostly a cow, so he still holds on to a lot of the cat-like things. (laughs) Stilton's a cat sometimes, too. Wow. So, and she kind of pulls off her apron and throws it out between the two of you so you can use it as a little tablecloth amongst the garden that is mostly taken care of. But again, your mother was clearly not the farmer. She uh, (laughs) has some crops that are doing okay, but probably based on the fact that they just happen to have all the right ingredients for it. Some of them have fallen to the wayside and died. There's lots of, you know, patches that your father would... Be very, very angry about it if you were here. <laughs> I'm just like nervously picking grass out of the lawn, like plucking clover like a nervous little kid. You look and you see that your mother's doing the same thing. <laughs> she clearly has regressed a, a little bit since being in here for so long. Um. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot to talk about when it comes to, you know, the last month. But did you happen to know anyone who's... um? Who had a child named Kunik? See, si. two of my good friends. What happened to them? They were there that day? She looks away, and you get the feeling that they might have stood up for her at the wrong time. <sighs> and your mind kind of flashes back to when you said to Kunik, I'll find your parents. And Kunik smiled sadly and said, Okay. Okay, I just had to ask. I I have failed in so many ways. Okay. That's a lot for me to tackle. This is the troubles of a mother. You should not worry about that. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the lighter things. Your magic. You receive visions. You're an oracle. <laughs> is that what they call it? That's what we call it, baby. Wow. That's this is incredible. How I mean. There hasn't been one born in many, many years. Uh, we typically are, are kind, orcs. We are born with a proclivity to magic. Right. Most of us take more closely to evocation or abjuration, but right. every once in a while there's someone special. Yeah. It's been kind of crazy, but I have a pretty good advisor, so she's helping me through it. <laughs> <laughs> I think back to Sir Cassandra Bashar. She seemed like a interesting teacher. I get to do a lot of independent study. And ultimately, I think that has suited me very well, especially since I'm on the run from several forces. I have not been in school for over two decades, so this new type of schooling seems totally fine to me. Speaking of schooling, Limburger. Mm. 
He was your teacher. And he is still alive. What was he like? Where, where did he learn magic? Was he just one of those people with the proclivity? She nods. He was inclined towards necromancy. and Always. Always. He and Ardrahan actually got along quite well when we were all young. He was a prodigy in the eyes of the elders. The conservatives loved that he was so passionate about the tenets of Groomsh. The intellectuals admired his mind and arcane prowess. I should have seen who he'd become earlier. And she nods knowingly about the memories you shared. You think he was always a radical, or did something happen to make him that way? I think like many of our kind, he faced hardship when it came to relationships with the humans. I know that he's misguided, but he is not wrong. There was a lot of skirmishes between the peasants of both nations. People who weren't really falling in line with the rules that were set in place, so he was tired of seeing people that he cared about dying. And tired that I guess my father would not take more bold action. So he, as you know, traveled south and sought out Nula to find a way to make our soldiers deathless. Right. I heard that story. And based on what you've shown me, he seems to have mastered a lot of the magics he sought to learn. He may be a lich, Gorgonzola. He may be. I have an interesting theory about Limburger. Go on. You saw my friend, Erza? See. Si. When we faced Anakra, I learned that someone deceived her ancestors. Anakra mentioned that Gangren is missing. I've met a fair amount of Chromatica now. And it's not like one to let things go. In what world would a mage and a dragon be content to let sleeping dogs lie? What if he took part in another deception? Limburger told me that he sailed south with his men. Then he says that he left them, traveled through the Pale Wastes, defeated Nula, and stole the gem Undying. Only I don't completely buy the end of that story. I think at some point, and I don't know which point, he was intercepted and impersonated or possessed. I believe that maybe Gangren wanted the gem on dying for himself so he could... I don't know, maybe resurrect the Chromatica killed in the Dragon Wars? Impersonating Limburger was just an added bonus because then he would be able to access Alethea's egg and raise her as a powerful pawn. Maybe the Leoniel mages were smart enough to realize this, or maybe it was just a happy coincidence that they wanted to stop the actual Limburger but wound up accidentally trapping someone else within the gem. Limburger is 
obsessed with me following Ardrahan's plan, but I don't know if it's because he's a zealot for Groomsh. I think maybe his first plan failed, and now his only other option is to get to a powerful enough portal to resurrect a god who would then free him from the gem and leave him in a position to do what he wished with it. Do you believe that Gangren impersonated Limburger? And if so, at what point do you believe this? Do you think he's always been Limburger? Well, I had heard that Gangren had had gone missing, but that was that was like 2,000 years ago, so I really... Right. It's hard to account for the last 2,000 years and what he was doing, but where... I mean, where was the last place that he was seen? Do you know? A little history check for her. Solo. She has such a good history, and yet... <laughs> uh, you know, my mind, it forgets things sometimes, right. but I... Well, if you think that Limburger... I mean, he had parents, right? And you knew him from when he was a child? He was older than me, but, I mean, as far as I knew, he had family at one point. That's why I think maybe something happened when he left his crew behind, and then he sailed further south past the Pale Wastes. Maybe that's where Gangren was hiding, or maybe he was... In, in the swamps, or... I don't know. But Limburger, his skin is decaying, and maybe I'm completely off-base, and he's just a necromancer, but ever since I learned about Ertz's great-great-grandpappy and that hammer, there are so many setups in this story, Mom. The first night... The Leoniel, I mean, everyone is playing tricks on everyone. I have a question. These Omnimalum in the visions you shared, they were behind the taking of Elithia's child. Yes. They took NP and imprisoned her in their city. They had tried to contact the First Might? Yes, they were trying to play every card in the deck as it is Hmm. but the first might like you said we're stubborn people refused and I suppose at that point they decided to work against us rather than with us Hmm. so many questions I suppose it's possible that Limburger is Gangren or worked with Gangren, or Gangren has some sort of part in all of this? Uh, I don't know. But based on what you've shown me, it seems like the Omnimalum were the ones who had the biggest hand in whatever went down. Perhaps they were in league with each other, but there's no way for me to know, unfortunately. Perhaps. It just seems like, well... When I met Paragon, or not met, but when I saw Paragon, she had such a hate and such a rage for dragons, so if Limburger is Gangren and is somehow working with Paragon, then he must be deceiving her too. That, or she's just hungry enough for power that she would work with her biggest enemy. 
The holders are very, very unpredictable. They are otherworldly. They are unknowable in their truest desires. It is possible that in some convoluted way they would work with Gangren or Limburger or Gangburger or Limgren. Limgren. Whatever. If they are one entity or if they were working together or if they are working with Paragon in some capacity. I, I don't know. I wish yeah, I could I don't know either. More, but... Well, that's really the question, right? Are are you going to help? She touches the burn on her neck. When that's gone tomorrow, are you going to help? Give me a persuasion check with advantage. Because not for nothing, but it's going to be Christmas in a couple months. and Christmas? What is a Christmas? Oh. <laughs> Frost joy, so sorry. I <laughs> that was a strange buzzing noise I heard come from your mouth. I'm just saying that you've missed 18 years of presence and a road trip, mother daughter. It could be really fun. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a five. Your mother smiles at the idea of a road trip. But you see that there's fear in her eyes as well. We'll talk about it tomorrow, in the, in the morning. She looks up at the sky. When I make it morning, I guess. Okay. Make it morning. You're not tired? You, you've been traveling all day. I'm exhausted. I've been traveling all month. I want to talk about this, Mom. I'm here to talk about it. I I mean... Don't brush me off. Everyone just brushes me off. There's important shit we have to do. And I'm going whether or not you come. I'm going to go to my room. Give me an intimidation check with advantage. <laughs> Teen wrath. <laughs> Seven. Mm-hmm. That was with advantage? Yeah. I Jeez. stomp away. You stomp away back inside, leaving your mother out in the the void night that is surrounding this demiplane. My room is a storage room. <laughs> it's really, it's an office. <laughs> <laughs> I sit on the floor. <laughs> you sit in there. You're there for maybe a few minutes before you hear a knock on the door. Gorgonzola? If I had alarm stocked, I would cast it. But I don't, so you can come in. She slowly opens the door. I cast alarm as she's... <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's... I... I haven't been out there in... In 18 years. I don't... I believe in you. I believe that you can take this... Away. She touches the burn. But I don't know if I will be helpful. I don't... Th- no. It's been so long. I've done all of this fighting to get to you. What what was it all for if you're just going to stay here? Don't you see I'm been trying to create a world where we can be together? 
It's all I've ever wanted. How could you, how could you keep this one thing from me? You gave me the tusk, you gave me your armor, just now just give me my mother back. Why couldn't you, you could just stay here for a little bit maybe, you know? I don't have time. I've got a wolf waiting for me outside, trying to find its pack. And that is the least of my problems. I have responsibilities. I can't ignore them. There's a long pause. Your mother avoiding your gaze as you let those words hang in the air. I'm tired of fighting. So what do you plan to do then? Go to Ever home. Tell them that Ardrahan and the Formaggi forces are marching their way come Harvest Peak. Teleport to Chilvin. Tell them that they're trying to get their weird porty thingy. And then, I guess, try and help Marfin. And then, I guess, um, maybe before all of that also, I really need to find Cicero's. And this Tinder dick meeting with him in the Stella stronghold. That'll be like a pit stop. Do you know where it is? I was going to ask you, actually. The Astral Sea, Gorgonzola. Oh, I have other errands to run there, so great. You should come. It's uh, lovely, very temperate. I saw in your spell, it looked good. interesting, yes. Okay, yeah. I, um... I've been an unaccompanied minor for, like, so long, and I know I'm 18 now, but... It could really, really... Use my mom. And I'm gonna dispel that thing on your neck tomorrow. And then there's nothing holding you here. Unless you're so scared that you're gonna let that dictate the rest of your life. I've been exiled from Paddlewick. I don't give a fuck about that. I'm gonna go back and see dad soon. And I think it would be really cool if you were with me. I would say language, but you are an adult, and I respect that. And I do not have the authority to say something like that to you. I... We, uh... I just need a a moment. Understandable. The two of you pause for a moment as she looks at you, and then turns and heads I'll leave the house. No, you stay. No, you stay. What? That makes no sense. You are a guest. You should stay. And you disappeared. So. That's going to be a trump card for quite some time. I can, I can already tell. Okay. So you stay. Okay. I back out of the front door. You sit outside with Roquefort, who comes over, and now knowing who you are, it just is so absolutely so friendly you can tell it's almost as like roquefort and still are related in the sense that they <laughs> give you the same kind of comfort this kind of support animal and you could tell that roquefort has had quite the work cut out for him with your mother being in the state that she's in mm-hmm. uh give me a perception check i feel bad being so hard on her but we don't have time to argue about this is it based on sight it's based on hearing okay 
19. As you sit there, petting Roquefort underneath the strange painted sky, you hear the sounds of your mother crying from inside. Stifled, trying to keep it as quiet as you possibly can. Is there anything you want to do before you take a long rest tonight? Zola wants to go back inside, but also this, like, frustrated teen feeling of, like, I cried so many nights missing you. She just casts Ertz's excellent enclave in the middle of the field and goes to sleep in there. As I'm about to step inside of the tiny hut and kind of let the rock crumble in behind me, I look at the door again and use my last fourth level spell slot to upcast alarm on the door so I'll know if my mom leaves. You cast the spell, fall asleep inside the dome, and wake up to the sound of intense knocking on the outside of the dome and the sound of the ringing alarm spell as you roll up and look to see your mom clearly sleep deprived, um, eyes blood red, tears staining her face as she's knocking frantically and kind of pacing back and forth. Gorgonzola, get out here right now. Okay, okay, five more minutes. No, Uh, right now. Okay, hold on. Rise to your feet. I'm coming. I'm coming. Get get your stupid net tattoo over here. She's standing outside of the dome, like tapping her foot angrily um, as you step out and it fizzles away. And the two of you are standing in her slightly dried, dying field. I pressed the digitation, the uh, like grass in the area with that, like the hut kind of smoothed over. That's taught it to myself. You... I had time last night. Damn you so fucking smart you died yeah I've been just inside trying to you died I know I'm I thought about not showing you that Oh my god, please don't tell dad if we see him. He's gonna lose his mind. She puts her arms around you. And you again feel her tears staining your hair. Don't cry, it wasn't that bad. My baby, my baby. It's okay. They can knock me down to one, but they can't knock me down to zero. Right, Ma? (laughs) She laughs. You are something else. Do you have chickens here? I kind of went through them fast. Oh, you didn't keep one for the eggs? I had a bad day. Okay, well, I'll rustle something up. She wipes her eyes. Come on, let's wash your face. The two of you head inside, and using, you know, the sort of small reservoir of water nearby, you splash some water on yourselves and kind of wake up into the morning. So... Is Roquefort allowed in the house? Because he's following me in here. <laughs> Roquefort, God, not again. I always, I wish I had not forgotten Polymorph. That would be really useful right now. He seems to not understand that he's big. He really doesn't. It's been many years he's been like this. And, and, and still, 
uh, I I'm sorry that spell you worked on it's a doozy it kind of has she like waves around at her head it comes in in waves oh. it's hard to digest on it once. do you think I cast it wrong no you cast it right I think that the mortal mind struggles to take in so many oh, events experience. at once right I am I'm it's so sorry it's kind of a packed month it's okay you don't I have do. to keep saying you're sorry but although I I do appreciate it because I I went through a lot um, but ultimately it also brought me everything I love Smite and Brigid and Kittle and Crystalix and Jerry um, and Zebediah love that I guy I don't know if you should be hanging out with that Jerry man he seems like he might have gotten into some bad things he's harmless I don't know about <laughs> we'll talk about it um, and Marfin you saw Marfin he I couldn't have made it here without him he encouraged me so much and helped me so much i mean half of recap is stuff i copied from peeping through his journals anyway he seems like a very interesting man i had heard tell of a powerful mage named marfin but i did not know he was on our continent really you heard of him oh you see he's world renowned one of the greatest most um, branded mages in the entire world of faithful he's a nice guy i i think i think he overcharges he does. I could read that. He also seems troubled. Right. That leads me to, well... I, before we go any further... Right, sorry. It's a spiral. We do need to talk about everything, but I need to apologize for my cowardice. I... I have not gone out into the world to the extent that you want me to in many years, and... You know, you only can be... She points at the burned mark on her neck. Burned so many times before you fear the fire. So... I... Sarah, do you have a spell that you could force me to leave? Because I don't know how I can do it. Let's start with this. Does it hurt? See... Does it hurt more now that I'm here? She nods. I'm sorry I didn't have the spell slots last night. You never apologize to me. Unless you hang out with that Jerry man. In which case, we will have to talk about it. He troubles me a lot. I am not joking with you. Look, Jerry's an older guy, but he has he's a gun cool. now, I, I think, is what your memory said. I gave him the I gun. I didn't even know what that was until you showed me a memory of that. And that looks bad also. <laughs> Gorgonzola realizing <laughs> that's the one thing she should have hid from her mom is that she has a gun. She has a, and what is that? <laughs> Putting that on your side. I'm going to get this registered soon. All right, come here. She steps closer to you. I'm going to put, I'm going to use the tusk. She nods, a bit anxious, and you see that this entire time, you thought that your mom was perhaps just tense from the fact that she, one, is seeing her daughter for the first time in almost two decades, and also had to get a month's worth of memories poured into her head. 
But you also notice that perhaps this entire time, she has kind of had her muscles clenched the way someone who is in deep chronic pain mm -hmm. would be kind of holding themselves in a way. Yeah, just take just take a deep breath out. Try to let your shoulders fall. First, before I cast a spell magic on her, I go, whoop, almost forgot. And then I cast a non-detection on myself. Brilliant, by the way. You are quite, quite the divination savant. It's incredible. Thank you. You saw that freaky little guy who's following me around? Yes, the pervert named Plebo. I will have to have a word with him. <laughs> I would love that. I would as well. Okay, don't talk. I don't want to cut you. Yes, please do not do that. I um, kind of like put my hands on her shoulders and gesture for her to take like a kneel in front of me. And then I lower the tusk down onto her shoulder, like kind of like I'm knighting her. Okay. On three. One, and I cast a spell magic. <laughs> Give me a check using your spellcast modifier. You're trying to beat, and this is very powerful enchantment. You're looking mm -hmm. to beat a DC 19. Okay. I have a plus five to this, so I have to roll at least a 14. I don't do it. I rolled a nine, so that is a 14 flat. The magic, and you watch as the chains almost like bend, you hear the sound of iron creaking, and your mother grabs her throat and winces. Oh. <clears throat> okay. Did you do it? Is this what it feels like when an enchantment is dispelled? Um. No, I... I don't think I did it right. No, it's okay. It's very hard. No, I... Fuck. I only had the one chance today, and I fucked it up. No, it's okay. It's okay. She takes her hands away from her throat, takes a deep <sighs> breath. Orkinzola. It's okay. I don't want you to be in pain because of me. I am in pain because of me. Doesn't seem fair. Ardrahan, he's hurt so many people. And yet we're the ones who suffer. She puts a hand on your shoulder. As she shakily gets back to her feet. <sighs> Can I try and, like, investigate the mark on her neck? Yeah, give me an arcana check. <laughs> Not one. It's, the reality of this is that this isn't even a, like, clear-cut spell that you're like, I would have heard of this. This looks to be some sort of, like, I mean, it was a ritual. It was a group casting of multiple, both arcane and divine casters. Powerful magic would be needed to dispel this. And you believe that perhaps you have access to it and you could, but if you're using the tusk to do it, you'll have to wait another day. It's okay. We'll, we'll try again tomorrow. I'll... S you don't have time, you said. How long does... Is time here normal? It works normally here. I, have, I am not a chronomancer. I cannot work with time. Oh, shit. That Morphin. I wish I could work with him to create this. Of course, probably if I worked with him, I wouldn't have this. She touches her neck again. God, you met some very interesting folks along your journey. Well, do you still want me to make you come outside? 
No, but that makes sense. So she nods, keeping her mouth closed. <laughs> okay. Look the other way for a second. She turns her head. I slowly grab the rod of might. Oh my god! <laughs> and then bonk her over the head to paralyze her. I could have never predicted this moment. I guess roll an attack with advantage because. Um, no, she. Oh, right, right. right. Uh, an attack, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you still have to hit, but I'll say yeah. I mean, you have an advantage. Her AC is naturally lower. She's not wearing armor or anything. She didn't cast mage armor. All right, 27. <laughs> you hit. What? What do you have to shoot? Uh, <laughs> so you bonk her over the fucking head. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I guess she rolls. What is it? A uh, you're doing a strength save? Yeah, DC 17 wisdom saving. Throw, wisdom. I okay. Okay. Let me check yeah. That is a natural 20. Oh my! I pour it for her. She halfway through that. Oh my! She freezes, hands on her head. Okay. Before just looks at you. Oh. She asked for it nods and begins to saunter back towards the exit. I, uh... <laughs> She's surprisingly light for you, <laughs> you feel. Uh, pick up my mother and put her on Roquefort's back and walk with him, turning one last time to wave goodbye at my father's cottage. You wave goodbye as the two of you make your way back across the field towards the portal that led you here. Um, just for mechanics sake, is it, how long does that last? One minute. That's honestly just enough time for the two of you to hustle across this field. And you see that she is still just like clutching her head as you've draped her over this cow's <laughs> back. And the two of you kind of hustle across until you take one last look standing before an archway and formed from trees. Seeing that she's paralyzed and can't like respond to me at all, I kind of kneel down as I'm like waving goodbye to the cottage and I go I know you can't respond right now but I know you saw I, I hope it's okay that I'm a lesbian she cannot move but perfect uh, but a single tear of, a, of approval and joy streaks from her cheek I'm gonna take that as strong support thanks mom love ya and then we walk out of the portal <laughs> Unfucking believable folks I don't even know how to react to that Oh my god uh, You walk out of the portal And Walk back onto The misty island That your mother had been hiding on For all these years Do I see my friends? Kala sits 15 feet away At the edge of this clearing You had 24 hours And you almost used them all I know Who is this lady? My mom I found my pack. Nods. Still in. <laughs> Barrels into you. If a crow could knock you over, he would, but not nearly strong enough. It's just flapping and like beak kissing your face as your mom slowly but surely goes, Oh, my. Oh. You're outside. Good job, mom. Oh. This is still in. Oh. She's like holding her burning throat and throbbing head. Oh, nice to meet you, Stilton. And I am Kala. Mozzarella, nice to meet you. A, a winter wolf. This, I saw it in your visions. They are not commonly befriended. You see, Kala goes, Your daughter has done me a great service and oh. is continuing to do one. Yeah, Kala's no common friend. She's a very, very special friend of mine. Yes, 
Very special. So, I guess we gotta get moving. Mom, did you sleep at all last night? No. Uh, I d- no. <clears throat> By the way, should- should- is Roquefort- Roquefort's out with us? You turn around and Roquefort is standing there, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roquefort, Stilton, Stilton, Roquefort. Stilton, crazily, I almost named you Roquefort, so. Stilton looks at you and then looks at Roquefort. I know, I wouldn't have fit your personality at all. Ah, and then f- 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 flies over and lands before Roquefort, and the two of them regard each other. Give me an insight check. Okay. Huh? Seven. Well, I guess it's just a familiar thing. Ah! And the two of them kind of nuzzle heads in the similar way that Stilton has done with you. And then your mother weakly stumbles over to Roquefort. Can I eat your ride, old friend? And Roquefort lowers and she kind of climbs and drapes herself along the back. As she's got, she's left this realm and is spending more time with you, you see your mother looks bad and i will tell you right now that with every day she spends with you she gains another level of exhaustion she is currently at two levels (gasps) until that is dispelled she will continue to gain levels of exhaustion wait when do you instant die uh sixth level oh okay i thought it was third (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) did you just kill my mom (laughs) and that's She just passes it She out. just dies. All right, great. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Mom, you don't look so good. I am fine. Maybe we walk for a little bit, and then you try it again. Yeah, yes. You don't think something like counterspell could work, could you? Good thought, but the counterspell has to be done when the spell is still being cast. Oh, okay. I'm still yes, learning the difference more, between those it's things. It's kind of like you're disrupting... The movement of the create, you know, the the movement of the spell rather <coughs> than the um, effect being already there and you kind of breaking it. Um. Well, here. Um, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. And I kind of just take a hot moment, put my stuff down, and I like race around a little bit and like put together a little pack filled with like some snow that she could maybe like wrap against her neck and maybe like some like pine sap and other kind of medicinal things that I might be able to like scrounge from the environment just to kind of give her like some cooling and relief. Yeah. You do that. You see that the snow actually does seem to melt pretty fast too, because of just the nature of whatever this enchantment is, but you help her out. She lays upon Roquefort's back, eyes closed. Thank you. I am so proud of you, and I am so sorry that I am so unwilling to do this on my own. It's okay. You're going through your own fight, Mom. And I see that now, and I'm proud of you for making it this far. I'm really... I'm really proud of you. Because it must have been hard, being so alone for so long. I felt so alone, and I was surrounded by people, and you just had no one but Roquefort. He's a pretty good friend. She pats Roquefort on the head. Let's find you help. Do you think the elves would would help us? Not unless you've done something to him. And then she pauses. Honestly, you did give him that sword. Right. That might buy us some grace. Are you up for a big journey? 
It's only a day or two away. I think I could do it faster. I, uh, she opens her eyes. I'm I, holding the yellow shard. You see Kala's <laughs> bristling. Control your daughter. Do not let her do this again. I would never let my daughter use a strange crystal like this twice. Kala, do you have a daughter? I do. How old? In winter wolf years? Yeah, whatever. Is she like a teen? Yes. Probably a maybe young adult. We better find her then. <laughs> the two mothers look at each other and tilt their heads. I sense some sort of foil. I do not like it. <laughs> Can we... Uh, they. You know what? I have been resistant and cowardly. I trust you. Let's just rip off the distance like a band-aid. Here! And I put her hand on the gem. She weakly grasps the gem. Roquefort? Roquefort comes over, and since he's touching your mother, you know, <laughs> carrying her, they he will be included. Get off in here. <laughs> you see, it's still in. Ha! Lands on top of it, and Kala... <sighs> Fine! But this is the last time. Bye, okay. pets. Okay. Everyone focus really hard! Everyone puts a hand on the Conjuration Shard, and you focus your intent. Hey, Mom, have you ever been to Eberholm? Ah. Uh, or, like, seen a picture or something? I've... Uh, from a distance. Concentrate hard on that feeling. Right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to try to teleport us. Okay. It's a fourth level. It's a seventh level oh, spell. Oh, I see, I see. <laughs> yep, so... That makes sense. Give me... A check with your spell casting modifier. This one, you did roll a nat 20 before in understanding this, but that only really gives you insight into fourth level or lower, the kind of spells that you personally have access no. to. Yes. Teleport is a much bigger spell. It's a DC 17. I, and then we will still have to roll to see the accuracy of the teleport. But your mother has seen it slash been near it a few times, and that will help. Big ol' gamble. We love a gamble, folks. That's what this game is all about. Does my mom have enough hit points to live through that mishap thing if that happens to her? Uh, yeah, I mean, her. she hasn't gotten the half hit point thing that happens at a certain level of exhaustion, okay, so she good. should be okay. All right, great. She's got more than 10. <laughs> she has 77 hit points. Oh, okay. She's okay. 14. Okay. Gorgonzola, I'm going to give you a choice. <laughs> You begin to feel unmoored as you all clutch this crystal and the world begins to whirl around you in that similar way that you have felt when Marfin has teleported or you've used teleportation circle. You begin to feel nauseous and you, you keep focusing and focusing. Your mother exhausted, desperately trying to cling on to the thought of the arcane bubble and the crystalline city of Ivrahom. Focus and focus. Would you like to successfully cast teleport, but essentially get one of the worst options on the table? Or would you prefer that it casts a random other spell? I think so focused on making ground and feeling the loss of even more time and mind half torn between the spell and half torn between worrying about my mother who looks so weak. I just squeeze my eyes and focus on the feeling of teleporting, even though I feel like some sort of calculation or something is getting messed up here. 
you focus and hold yourself to the material plane, knowing that you could summon something here accidentally or throw yourself into the multiverse. You focus and maintain this concentrated effort to get your mom somewhere safe. And you disappear. And that's where we'll end our episode today. Gang, talk to your mothers. <laughs> oh my lord. Oh my Thank you so much for listening. Thank, Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you, especially to our Eldritch patrons. If you would like to become one, go to patreon.com slash try not to die pod. Also, of course, and I'm going to start doing this more often, thank you to freesound.org, Sword Coast Soundscapes, Michael Gelfi, and the variety of other places we get sound effects, which I will I credit in the description. This show is as beautiful as it is because of these incredible free resources and these incredible mm-hmm. people who are willing to allow us to use them. So thank you to them as well. This, the uh, un non-paywalled sound effects producers of the internet are god's little angels it's true if there's proof of god it's (laughs) freesound.org that's my divinity that's my divinity that's my groom Uh, i pray to thee freesound uh any other plugs while we are winding out this wild thank you to saya 3d piss for our art uh if you want to check out more art in the style of the world of try not to die check out saya's work and check out big milk and big milk expo if you live in new york city um, and check out our socials, Try Not to Die Pod. We are working hard on churning out the bonus content on the page. And wow, I was really nervous for this episode, so I'm still kind of in a fog right now. I know, right? I we both we were gonna record yesterday, neither one of us was emotionally we or physically were prepared. Emotionally prepared, I was hungover, uh, couldn't do it. Today we both worked and we're like, this is the best thing and the most terrifying <sighs> thing about our day. But boy, am I thankful that I did it with you. Thanks for making it till I found my mom, guys. Yeah, you guys did it. And we did another nice round episode. 80, baby. You're welcome. I love numerology, apparently. Satisfaction. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you again for listening. Until next time, try not to die. All hail our Eldritch patrons. Especially Anita, Ashley, Becca B, Colleen, Eclair, Elana, Emily, Jacob, James, Joey, Kate, Leo, May, Morgan, Nat, Nicola, Paige, Roni, Sahara, and of course, our producer Patty, Patrick Brandstetter, and producer Daddies, Becca Mount, and Rose Evelyn Campbell. We thank you for these podcasting powers and promise to raise hell in your names. Till next time, try not to die. Thank you.